Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker and this is the ETF Tracker show for the week ending the 10th of September. And in today's episode, it is all about Exchange Traded Fridays, our week in review. For those of you who might not be familiar, we also do a uh, midweek episode called Interviews with Experts, where we talk to different ETF market participants. So this week we had StockSpot on. And uh, in this week's episode, it's very interesting because of the latest data that's come out from the ASX, and we'll take a look at that, as well as some other kind of market announcements and news. So we'll check that out along with videos and some podcasts, and you've got all the links if you subscribe to the newsletter. So we'll jump straight into what is in the newsletter. So you can take a look at that. So if you are a subscriber, you get access to this at 7.30 a.m. every uh, Friday morning. If you prefer to watch, then you are probably seeing this on YouTube. Uh, We've got a show there and you can also listen to this on Spotify. And if you don't have Spotify, uh, we are working on the Apple uh, podcast. Takes a little bit more time to get that up and running. Um, But there is also the etftracker.com.au page and there's a podcast section there. So in this week's episode, it was interesting because, uh, sorry, well, what's happened this week, we got the latest data out from the ASX, so the investment products team and Martin Din, uh, who's leading the data charge there, along with some of the others. We had Martin on the show a couple of weeks back, so check that one out. Uh, So there's the latest data and statistics, we'll get into that. Now, if you've missed uh, previous newsletters, um, you might not have known that Ausbiz have actually had an update to their application so that you can now track experts and uh, certain categories. So if you're interested in ETFs or equities, you can do that. So there's a couple of links here uh, with what we're looking at in the newsletter, and you can go directly to the experts page and follow, uh, follow me and follow others that are talking about ETFs and other parts of the market. Uh, So the other part is that uh, in local news this week, the biggest piece was the market update and we also crunched numbers um, for for that. There's also the latest ETF securities uh, fund that was listed. It's called SEMI. And if you couldn't guess what SEMI is, I will tell you it's, it's semiconductors and that's a very interesting kind of space to be involved in, whether globally or here in Australia. Uh, so, so definitely want to look at there. Uh, there's also some articles from Morningstar that we'll take a look at. Globally, we saw some news on the Chinese crackdowns on uh, equities and how that uh, hasn't necessarily dampened spirits for Asian ETF investments. And we'll look more at uh, Bitcoin ETFs, as there's always news on that in the global markets, as well as direct invest. Uh, sorry, direct indexing, which is a way to customize portfolios that's happening overseas more and more, and we'll probably see that here. So the first article off the bat is this one from ETF Tracker, uh, yours truly. And this is the August 2021 update for uh, the ETF Tracker application. And we get this from the ASX. So uh, around the 8th to the 10th or so of each month, we get the previous month's date. It's kind of like the ABS um, where it's a little bit delayed, only a few days. So it's, it's quite nice. It's actually more <laughs> timely than the ABS, to be honest. Um, So the latest data has come out and the results were that uh, for the ASX at least, so there's still Chi-X that has their numbers that come out in a few days time. And once we've got that, we've got the combined market view, but at least for the ASX, last uh, number that we saw there is, uh, was under 120 billion. We are now over 122 billion, it's 122.7 or eight. 
And that means we're, we're close to that $123 billion mark in terms of funds under management. That was driven by $3.5 billion of inflows, net inflows. So taking outflows and uh, positive inflows and the net effect of that is this net inflows um, of 3.5 billion. Now that was led by the listing of a new active ETF, MHHT. And so that is uh, something that really helped uh, prop the market up. I think a billion dollars was listed from that one. And so even if you take that out, still two, you know, two, over two and a half billion uh, of fun, uh, of, of funds that went into the market for the month of August is still very positive and it's even more so with a new fund that got listed. And so 2.2% is what the average across all of the different ETFs, what was their performance like? So overall, August was a pretty good month. There were some negative performers, uh, but mostly positive. And we also take a look in this article um, here on the ETF Tracker blog. So if you aren't subscribed, make sure that you do. You can head straight to the uh, blog page from the ETF Tracker um, home screen. And what we see here is a new version of the ETF Tracker app. That's right, there is a latest update. So last year we had version one, version two came out in June and we've made some tweaks of that following even more feedback from people in the market. And so we start off with a landing page as people can see here on the screen. The animation that's shown here is a user going through the dashboard. Uh, they are going through uh, different parts of the menu jumping straight to the ETF snapshots page. So now you can easily go direct to seeing what are some of the key metrics about an ETF. So we, we show that one first on this blog. Uh, overall, we can see that um, there were three new ETFs that got listed. So there was SEMI from ETF Securities, as I mentioned, MHHT from Magellan, that's the big $1 billion listing, and then GCAP from VanEck. So that takes the total number to 240 that are on the ASX, uh, sorry, that are on the ASX and ChiX now. As far as I was aware, uh, I don't think there was any new ChiX listings. So we're around that 240 as we were 237 last time. And uh, we see from the screen below this new snapshot page, uh, which is, or sorry, new high level kind of view of what's happened in August. So we've got a bit of a description there. We can see what fun growth has been as well as the number of ETFs uh, there and we've got some KPIs and we can see at a snapshot glance that um, the market returns, one month returns with 2.2%. That is up on the previous month because we've got a triangle next to it. So we figured, you know, we should put that there to make it easier that you can just at a glance view what's going on. Uh, net inflows, uh, that was 3.5 billion as we mentioned and that is also up. So it's got the triangle uh, green triangle facing up. Um, if it was a red triangle facing down, that means it's it's not uh, it's down on the previous month. So this is up. Total FUM has gone up on the previous month as well. There have been certain times though, like FUM seems to go up all the time, right? No, in March and even February last year, FUM went down. I think it was March and February, um, or it might've been March and April, but in any case, um, FUM does not always go up, but uh, for the most part it has. Uh, number of trades is at 479,000. So how many uh, times are ETFs changing hands? Um, between buyers and sellers that is up on the previous month and has been trending up, which is good. Distribution yield, uh, which is calculated by looking at the previous 12 months of distributions and looking at the current price that is down on the previous month. And uh, the management expense ratio overall has slightly gone, gone up. It was at 0.51% and many, many decimal points because there's quite a few 
uh, ETS, but now it's rounding up to 0.52. So who performed best and worst? Uh, this uh, data that we've got from the ASX has shown that ATEC is the one that's done the best in terms of performance in the month of August. That was up 14%, followed by the ETF securities long NASDAQ leveraged ETF. You've got to be careful with leveraged ETFs though. Uh, there's a lot of articles out there talking about how they're not something that you need to necessarily hold for a long-term kind of play just because it's leveraged up, but it's also leveraged to the downside if it doesn't go to, too well. So uh, that's LNAS. Take a look at that. And then there's a robotics play from BetaShares RBTZ uh, done really well at 9.7%, followed by the pair of Indian ETF plays. So exposure to the Indian uh, subcontinent. So that is uh, NDIA and IIND. We also show what has not done well. And as you can imagine, if um, LNAS has done really well, if leveraged is at one end of the spectrum, then the leverage going the other way is probably gonna be the other end of the spectrum. And that's the case here because the short NASDAQ play uh, lost nearly 13%, followed by BBUS, that's a bearish US play. And in terms of where the money went, so we've got a screen on the ETF tracker app, uh, which is in the sizes um, area. So there's six categories that we look at for ETFs, thanks to the data that we get from ChaiX and the ASX. So that's performance, uh, that's how well the price did. Size is how popular an ETF is. Um, <clears throat> is the FUM uh, growing? Are net inflows uh, positive? And so that's all about size. Transactions, uh, we look at trades and uh, transactional volume. Tradeability, and that's uh, to do with monthly liquidity as well as the spread of ETFs. And we'll talk more about that. Um, and we have articles that are coming out to explain a bit more about that. Quality is all about the dividend yield and costs. Uh, we track that with the management expense ratio. And we've got the ETF snapshots there. Um, but in terms of size, the one that had the most for the month of August, 2021, was the Magellan listing of MHHT. Uh, that was 1 billion, followed by VGS, VAS, um, usual suspects there, and HYGG, the Hyperion Global Growth ETF. What got traded the most, it was VAS, which is the Vanguard ASX 300 play, um, followed by NDQ, which is the NASDAQ listing, VGS, IOZ, and interestingly, Ethi was also up there. So Ethi, the ethical uh, ETF from BetaShares. They've got a few other ones, but that's the global ethical uh, one, ESG one. And then in this uh, article, we also take a look at the new snapshots, um, the ETF snapshots. So a user can go directly to, from, from the ETF tracker menu, the ETF snapshots page. There's just one filter at the top of the page and you can see all the ETF tickers come down. In this case, we're looking at ATEC because that performed really well. And what we can see is in the first um, tile, there's six tiles there, along with a description of the ETF, what benchmark it tracks, even some links back to the fund page. Um, and a Google Finance page because whilst the ASX uh, pricing data uh, is for the previous month, there might be price changes on the daily. And so a good source of that is Google Finance. And so we've done the hard yards and the homework uh, for you by piecing it all together. So in just the one spot, you can go directly to that fund page or the, or the uh, Google uh, Finance page. And so with the, uh, the ASX data in this case, um, the cumulative returns have been positive. And so it was up 14% uh, on the month of August. It lost nearly 5% the previous month. So it was, is a bit of a bounce back. Net inflows is what we see next. And that's flat. 
uh, for this particular ETF, but it has been strong in previous months. But just because um, that inflows might be looking the way that they are uh, at this particular point in time, there might be other metrics there that still uh, show that there's value in um, owning and continuing to own or even buying into this ETF. Transaction-wise, um, the latest number of trades for the month of August was uh, just over one and a half thousand for this ETF. So that's been quite popular. Tradeability of this ETF. So in this case, where we we have liquidity and also the spread, we're showing the spread percentage of this one, and that has been trending downwards. So. When the spread goes down, that means it's easier to trade, which is a good thing. Uh, distribution yield has been up in the previous two months, so that's positive. And the management expense ratio has just been flat since inception. Um, so this came out in March 2020 last year. And then we take a look at um, VGS, which is another ETF, which was interesting because it had a lot of flows into it. And so we can see that performance uh, there has been going back to since we started tracking the data in 2017. And um, this ETF is older than that. Its net inflows have been positive. It's actually had the best two months of net inflows in the last two months. And it's an interesting ETF because VGS is actually held in a number of other um, ETFs. And so Vanguard has these uh, ETF of ETFs, these all-inclusive ones such as VDHG, for example, which will hold things like VAS and VGS and VAF. Um, VAF's the, uh, the fixed, income, fixed income play or um, financials. And then um, VAS is the Australian shares play and VGS is more international. And all of these other, there's, there's some that hold um, some of the ethical kind of plays there. But those baskets of ETFs, um, Vanguard has a couple of these where they will change the weighting, the asset allocation for these different ETFs, depending on what it is that you're looking for, diversified growth or diversified um, high growth, for example. So definitely one to take a look at. But VGS is something that has seen a lot of inflows, potentially because people are just buying directly VGS on its own, or they're um, buying it um, indirectly through other ETFs. So it's kind of like preferential shares if we were voting. Um, transactions, that's gone up. Uh, it had its most transactions as many other ETFs did back in March last year, but it's nearly reached those levels with August and it's bid ask spread. Um, the spread percentage, as we mentioned before, seeing that go down, that's a good thing. And we're seeing that distribution yield has been trending down as well though. Uh, that is something maybe you don't like and maybe it's something you're not concerned about because you're in it for other factors. Um, so we just present those factors on the page and it is a low cost uh, ETF. So as you can see, it's 0.18% in terms of its management fees compared to something like ATEC, which is 0.48%, but you hold these different types of ETFs for, for different purposes. So that's something to look at and you can explore that all in the ETF tracker apps. Okay. So the next one is Investor Daily. They had an article out on the ETF boom um, to drive the market cap uh, to 200 billion. And this article, they go through some research from Van Eck that shows the market cap for ETFs. And, and we've been saying this as well, um, is expected to reach 140 billion by the end of 2021. And that July was the biggest month of inflows on record for Aussie ETFs with uh, 2.8 billion net inflows for that period. So as at the time of writing, it was 2.8 billion. Um, so I guess they're not counting when uh, Magellan's MGOC ETF listed. And that was, uh, I don't know, like 15 billion or something like that, plus all the other ETFs. So 15 billion overall that listed in the month of November last year. But if you take that out, um, they're saying,
saying that 2.8 billion was the biggest month. Well, it's now 3.5, but I don't know if they will count the active Magellan ETF that listed as part of that. So um, we can run the numbers and see. But any, in any case, you know, $140 billion by the end of 2021. And we were just talking about at the end of last year, when are we going to get to over $100 billion? So to go from, you know, how long is it going to take to get there to, hey, we're nearly at uh, halfway to 200 billion at the end of year one. That's pretty amazing. And it is kind of like uh, that exponential curve. Like it takes a while to grow to a certain level, but to get to that next milestone is just quick because of the sheer size of the market. Um, we had an interview with Mark Jokum from Stockspot and we spoke about that kind of hockey stick uh, exponential growth of the market. So that's definitely one worth looking at. Now, if we click on this article, um, so this is from Michael, Carp Michael sorry, uh, Carpathios from uh, Investor Daily there uh, writing this article. So there's a couple of numbers uh, in there. Some of the things that they looked at was that Van Eck had a research piece that was put out and it showed that based on um, uh, investment managers that they surveyed, um, said to be the largest of its kind for 2021, they had 3,000, over 3,000 uh, responses and 96% um, of those respondents now use ETFs in their portfolio, whereas 67% said they would opt to increase their exposure. So that's pretty powerful. What a telling um, kind of story there uh, on the power of ETFs. So definitely one worth looking at there. The next article is from Morningstar. And this one is titled ETFs are funds, not friends. And it's an editor's note from Emma Rapport over there at Morningstar. So this article came out on Friday. It's, so it came out on the 3rd. And as you know, we film uh, and we record these on Thursdays. So we missed out on getting this one um, for last week. So it makes it into this week. So it is the week in review with a little bit of leeway to see what we missed uh, there. So in this article, um, it talks about, uh, it highlights um, that now, especially as the, the trend for thematic ETFs continues uh, amongst investors, it's really important to look at uh, what's going on here because um, as Emma uh, highlights, when a new ETF is launched because it, satisfi it satisfies the latest trend or fad, you've got to ask yourself if that thematic has already substantially played out. Now, um, this aligns with our belief anyway at ETF Tracker that it's important to look under the hood of um, any ETF, no matter the name or, or style or, or how fashionable it might be. Another piece that's interesting here is that they also highlight um, the ticker names uh, article that we mentioned last week from Bloomberg and how having a memorable ticker name like meme or uh, robo or whatever it is or hack, that's also a popular one, um, how that even though you might have two ETFs that perform very similarly, they have the same kinds of holdings, they, they have the same kind of metrics, but the one with the more popular name usually performs better. It has more inflows. Sorry, it not, doesn't perform better, it performs the same, but um, it has more inflows. It's more popular with the crowd. And so if you take a look at this um, Morningstar article, it goes through those things and it also presents a couple of other um, facts and figures there. So we we'll just get rid of that pop-up. And so the first chart that they've got here uh, looks at net asset monthly um, net assets for thematic ETFs. And we can see um, how that's been growing on this almost exponential kind of curve, especially as things get more popular uh, there. And it takes a look at fees and the 30-year returns of ETFs. 
and how uh, the lowering of fees, how that can significantly change the level of returns that you get over the course of 30 years. So definitely something to, uh, to take a look at. And so in this article, there's quite a few links to other areas. And, and as we mentioned, there's that article on the Bloomberg uh, theme for thematic ETFs and the the naming convention of ETFs. If you've got ETFs that have those popular kind of ticker names, then it's certainly something that uh, could be more popular than another ETF that does the same thing. So it's worth looking at this article. Um, if you're not subscribed already to Morningstar, if you, you don't look at their ETF research, I recommend that you do. There's a lot of great things in there. So if you go to Morningstar, they've got an ETF section here. Okay, so take a look at that one. And the other one is from the Australian. And so this one is about beta shares, another big stalwart of the ETF markets here in Australia. We had Peter Harper from beta shares on the show a couple of weeks back. And so he told us a bit more about their process and understanding um, the types of ETFs that they have and how that can help investors. Well, they celebrated the milestone in September because they crossed the $20 billion threshold. When we looked at the data for August um, across all of the beta shares ETFs, uh, it had gotten to 19 and a half billion. So within the first couple of weeks, or sorry, within the first week of um, the data coming out for September that they track, uh, they were able to show that they've grown to over $20 billion. So congratulations to them. It is indeed a very important milestone. So from this article in The Australian, uh, you can see here, uh, he's the founder, Alex Weinecker from BetaShares, um, a year and a half after topping 10 billion. So it's only taken a year and a half. They've been around for a while. So 2009, so from 2009 to um, a year and a half ago, they had grown um, up to 10 billion in terms of funds under management. And now to get to double that within just a year and a half, it just shows that exponential kind of growth. So um, very interesting, uh, very interesting there. You know, it's important for us as well. We're growing our own small business here. Um, at ETF Tracker, uh, the parent company, if you didn't already know this, for ETF Tracker is a company called New Era Analytics, and that's a consultancy that I run doing data analytics. And we just started in January, February this year. So um, the joys of going through the ups and downs of revenue and uh, all the expenses that come with running your own business. So it's really interesting to see here with ETFs. And you can take the analogy of your own investments. You might not see those returns necessarily paying off, but if you just stay the course and stay in the market, um, amazing returns. I'm not saying that you're gonna get to necessarily billions of dollars. And if you are listening to the show and you are, you're looking to get into that billions of dollars, reach out because I can definitely help you. Um, but you know, it's great to see this kind of just persistence pay off when it comes to, in this case, BetaShares um, investments in ETFs and what they've done to help the market. And so it talks a little bit about the um, potential listing of a uh, crypto ETF and how that's, uh, that could change the market. Um, and it talks a little bit about the, the crash of Feb in March 2020 and how new money's come into the market there. So check out this article at The Australian. And we've got, uh, yeah, the image here. And so the other one was the ETF securities. They have their regular weekly monitor. And if you didn't already know, we are listing that each week because it gives a more up-to-date snapshot than the data that we get from the ASX, CHI-X, et cetera. And so this is for the week ending the 3rd of September. And what they're saying here is in the highlights, um, Japanese funds, HJPN, 
IJP and also Asia Tech, um, Asia Technology, which is Asia as the ETF ticker, as well as domestic resources, MBR, QRE, and OZR, um, and some domestic small cap funds, VSO and ISO, led the market higher last week. There's also quite a few other things that they've got in there. So you can look at performance and fund inflows. Uh, and that's on a week, month, sorry, it's on a weekly basis that they have, a year-to-date basis and the last 12 months. So definitely uh, worth looking at tracking that data from uh, ETF securities. Now we'll jump to the global uh, section. So this one, it starts off with two Bloomberg articles. The first one is on the Chinese crackdown, um, discounts lure investors into emerging ETFs. And this article highlights how US ETFs focused on investing in China and Hong Kong, they saw $1 billion of inflows last week. So over here in Australia, it takes us a whole month to get to a couple of billion over there in the US, um, just a small segment of the market, maybe not a small segment, I, I lie, I haven't seen how big Asian ETFs are as part of the whole kind of market there, but a segment, you know, getting to over a billion, it just highlights, it highlights how big the US markets are in terms of ETFs. And so um, that's helped emerging markets ETFs over there. And um, this could be due to investors buying the dip uh, as prices have gone down after the government crackdowns in China. Uh, but it could also be that there's better than expected macroeconomic data that's coming out from that part of the world. And so if you click on that article, um, Bloomberg, as I've mentioned before, uh, if you don't have a subscription, they give you access to, I think, two or three articles free for the month. But after that, you need to get a subscription. So definitely um, worth looking into it because there's a lot of great news from those guys uh, there. So we can see here on the chart, there's weekly inflows, net flows to US listed emerging market stocks and bond ETFs. During the, uh, I guess, market downturn last year, in March, April, May, etc., um, they saw outflows uh, from those funds. So even as the market was recovering after March, and we saw that here, it's a, a bounce back in April, May, um, the emerging market stocks and bond ETFs had fallen in terms of outflows over there. So we can see the sea of red. But ever since then, it's been a sea of green. So every week, so this is a weekly kind of chart that's being shown here, except for uh, some periods of outflows in August, um, so just last month, um, it's been positive. And so it's, yeah, it's it's seeing uh, definitely some interest there despite the government crackdowns on Chinese equities. So worth looking at that. There's a couple of other charts and they do at the end of this some regional summaries which show the flow from the week um, and that's equity flows, bond flows, as well as total assets for different regions. Um, across all of the global kind of regions. So they've got Americas, Asia-Pac and EMEA. And they also break it down um, for the Americas. So what is within the Americas and where were the flows going to Asia-Pacific and EMEA as well. Okay, so that is the first uh, of the Bloomberg articles. The next one is uh, a Bitcoin ETF is likely coming soon. Is it better to just buy Bitcoin? And so this article shows bull and bear cases for a Bitcoin ETF with some interesting points raised as investors who want Bitcoin. Um, it's easy enough for them to just open up an app and buy it. Coinbase, for example, you can or Binance, you can just open up an app and get access to Bitcoin. Do you really need a uh, Bitcoin ETF? 
Um, but that said, the article says that there is also pros. Um, so the pros and cons, there's also pros to having a Bitcoin type ETF because an ETF can open up the world of Bitcoin investing and exposure to that for institutions. And if that happens overseas, um, and if it happens here in Australia, that could see pension funds and um, here we call it superannuation, buying into uh, assets, ETFs that is, that uh, provide exposure to uh, Bitcoin directly rather than what we've seen before, which is exposure to companies that have um, either blockchain work that they're doing uh, or, you, you know, not directly exposed to Bitcoin. So, so that is definitely interesting. So that's another Bloomberg article there. Yahoo Finance had an article which we, I thought was interesting to flag because it talks about another semiconductors ETF, um, PSI. So great name um, for those that uh, know what PSI uh, is uh, as part of um, semiconductors. So that's pretty interesting uh, there. SEMI was the ETF from ETF Securities got listed. So SEMI, Semiconductor's great name. Um, so PSI is this one from Invesco. Is it a strong ETF right now? And it's this one from Yahoo Finance. It goes through a couple of uh, facts and figures about that ETF uh, there. And just because we we had this one from ETF Securities, it is interesting that there's this other Semiconductor's play that's coming out. Or maybe it's purely shown to me because um, the... Google bots and, you know, Yahoo Finance bots are seeing that we're looking at semi and so it's flagging this, you know, if you think your computer's listening, it probably is. Um, so it talks about this being a smart beta ETF or smart beta. And those are simply ETFs that do not track, um, they're not market cap weighted as most other passive um, index following ETFs are. So smart beta, it'll do it based on factors, uh, that those could be ver various kind of factors like quality or momentum or whatever it kind of is, um, awaiting the con what is in that ETF in a different way. So it looks at semiconductor ETFs just like other semiconductor ETFs might, but it might weight it in a different way there. So that's certainly something worth looking at. Uh, it takes a look at costs and expenses, who the fund sponsor is and what index it tracks, as well as sector exposure and top holdings. So take a look at that one there. And then there's this other one here from Morningstar, which is uh, one that we added late. Um, so this is from the Financial Times, actually. Sorry, not from Morningstar. It mentions Morningstar. And this is um, saying that Morningstar joins the race to provide direct indexing services. And direct indexing is something that's of interest. And uh, basically what's happened is that Morningstar's purchased Morgate benchmarks. And um, this marks a move into to the world of direct indexing. And as explained in this article, the concept of direct indexing, uh, direct investing um, allows, in sorry, direct indexing, it allows investors to create bespoke portfolios of investment factors uh, to, to things like um, other parameters, uh, like ESG, for example. So you might have a particular um, ETF that you like and you want to take uh, certain holdings out of that or you might want to have a broad market ETF like NDQ but with uh, a tilt towards technology or companies of a certain size but those factors that tweaking of what's in the ETFs that is now known as uh, direct indexing and it is done overseas but usually for high net wealth uh, individuals so it's something that's not necessarily available to the everyday trader but that is changing more and more as more companies come into the market here. So 
Eaton Vance, which is the biggest player there that was acquired uh, by Morgan Stanley. And then BlackRock, another um, stalwart of the markets that acquired industry number two, Aperio, which was just behind Eaton Vance in terms of this direct indexing work. And now Morningstar's purchased Morgate benchmarks. So seeing this kind of stuff happen overseas, uh, we're looking forward to seeing the innovation happen here in Australia. All right, let's get to the videos. And as we mentioned at the start, we uh, look at Ausbiz quite a lot. We go on Ausbiz, and if you're listening to this on a Friday morning on the 10th of uh, September, then later on today, you can see us on Ausbiz at around 1.30, and we'll go through the ETF market highlights um, for, for the show. So the episodes that we saw this week relating to ETFs, is this first one, which was uh, everything ETF, look under the hood and do your own research, DYOR. And in this case, it's ETF Securities, Kenish Chug. And he talks about the ETF Securities ASX 300 Yield ETF, ZYAU, and its strong performance, which has been driven by the reopening trade and more. So there's a need to understand exposure. Um, that's key as well as looking under the hood. So what he says there, we, we definitely... Uh, would repeat that message and that's why we've got the uh, various data sets and ways to analyze that at ETF Tracker. Um, Ausbiz also had another one which was called Everything ETF is Sustainable Investing Becoming Just Plain Investing. And in this episode, it's all about ESG with Alex Holmes from BetaShares and he chats about the subjectivity of ESG investing and what to look out for. Um, Alex says to look for companies uh, who are deriving earnings from sustainable and green investment revenues. And there's more that he talks about in the show. So check that one out. And then there's this other one from last week. So this one came out on Friday. Um, but I said, as I said before, we we do this on Thursdays, so we definitely missed um, this one, but it makes it into the cut for this week. And this is what ASX reports taught credit investors. In this video, it's from uh, eInvest. And so Brad over there at eInvest, um, he talks about, oh, he highlights that they're seeing positivity in the Australian corporate balance sheets uh, across multiple industries. So that's a good thing. And they also talk about what signals um, they are looking for from companies. So check that one out. And then the last video in the list for this week is from The Compound. And so if you uh, haven't seen that, we've highlighted that quite a few times because that gives uh, it gives you exposure and understanding what's happening mostly in the US markets. And I'm sure they'll mention Australia if there's something um, mentionable for the Australian markets here or for the US markets about Australia, but for the most part, it has been uh, particularly US focused, a lot of Bitcoin talk there. And I guess that's something that we're seeing everywhere. Um, so in this one, we usually talk about, or we highlight the Compound and Friends show where they'll bring in guests from other companies. Um, but this one, it is the other episode that they have during the week, which is called Animal Spirits, and it's up to episode 221. So this is episode eight of the Exchange Traded Fridays show. So we've got a way to go before we get to episode 200 or even 100 or 50 or, you know, two more weeks until we get 10. Uh, and I'm sure we'll celebrate then because it's been a lot of hard work to get here, but they've been doing so well throughout the pandemic last year and even before then recording these shows. And so in this one, the hosts, um, Michael Batnick and Ben Carlson, they talk about things like Ray Dalio's performance. And so Ray Dalio, famous investor, Bridgewater, etc. He's got a book called Principles, which I bought sitting on the bookshelf over there. It's great. Um, but they talk about uh, his uh, kind of lack of 
performance of late, uh, which has been interesting, um, but it could just be down year. So who knows? Uh, a little bit of Bitcoin because that's always there in the news. And they also talk about uh, one of the hosts, Ben Carlson, who's been stricken by COVID. And so he and his family have had to sequester themselves and just kind of isolate. And he's been hit by it a little bit more. So it's interesting um, there to see how he's coping. They also highlighted, uh, which I thought was really interesting in this show, how it's um, interesting to see the talk about markets being in a bubble. And so I don't know if it was last week or the week before, they showed just how fast the uh, markets over there in the US, I think it was the S&P 500, how fast it has been recently to double off of market lows. And it's been the fastest to double off market lows just over a year it took to do that. Then it has for any other previous kind of periods, periods that took two years, three years, five years and more to regain their steam. Um, this time it's doubled quite fast. And what they're saying is that they're hearing a lot of chatter and seeing news and articles talking about, you know, the markets really are in a bubble right now. But if you think about it, maybe the other way to look at it is that this market has not had enough um, time to process, right? It's it's not had enough. Uh, investors haven't, the, the ones that are bearish, they haven't let this market kind of run. And because other markets has taken years for those markets to grow to the levels that they did, just because this one's grown as fast as it has, it doesn't mean that we're running out of steam necessarily. It just means that maybe we need to think about how high this market can go. So if you're um, bearish and looking for a bull case, that's certainly something to think about. <clears throat> so we'll get to the podcasts. And this week, the first one that we highlight is from uh, Phil Muscatello, who has a great uh, weekly podcast. He's got two actually. One is called Shares for Beginners, which is Australian focus. The other one is called uh, Stocks for Beginners, which is US uh, focus. In this one for Shares for Beginners, he talks to a good friend of mine, uh, Kenny Porkari. And in this one, it is the fourth of a four-part series that they've filmed over the last couple of months, um, filmed, uh, sorry, po uh, video, not video, they've, they've recorded, so uh, podcast. This one is called Global Financial Crisis. So Kenny has done these four-part series. The first one was a brief history of the NICE because Kenny worked on the New York Stock Exchange for 30 years, and so he's got a very unique uh, perspective on the markets there. And so that was part one. That was 1980 to 1987 from when he first joined. Um, up until the Wall Street crash. And then from 1987 to 2000, that was the second uh, episode. Then it was a bit of a gap. And I think it was last week or the week before, uh, they recorded one on remembering 9-11. Uh, so if you didn't know, Wall Street and uh, the New York Stock Exchange is located in downtown Manhattan, where the World Trade Center is, or, sorry, the World Trade Centers were and now they've got one world trade, which is a single tower and a memorial. And so given that it's, um, you know, 9-11, the, the 20th anniversary of that was just uh, recent. Uh, or sorry, it's it's actually coming up. Um, uh, so Sorry, September 11th. So yeah, it, it is coming up. We're recording this on the 9th. Um, but all the festive, uh, the, all of the memorials uh, and the documentaries that are being shown about that, and as we pay respect to all of that, it was a really poignant kind of episode to listen to last week, and just you know how it affected uh, the markets there from someone who's directly in it. And then in this fourth one, it jumps to another major thing that happened in the markets that we felt here. I was an accountant working for PwC at that stage, and 
um, had just, you know, graduated from uni and hearing about this thing called the global financial crisis. And so, yeah, um, Kenny talks about that in this four-part series. So now that they're all out, you don't have to wait. You can just binge watch all of these. So definitely check out uh, the podcast from Phil Muscatello, Shares for Beginners. The other one, which was another uh episode that came out last week on Friday and it missed the cutoff then um, is from Let's Talk ETFs. And uh, this episode, uh, we see, uh, this is from Seeking Alpha. Um, they speak about ESG. And so they speak with Stephen Flagel. Um, he's the CPO, Chief Product Officer at Contigo. And they talk with him to discuss how the ESG space is affecting exchange traded funds. So definitely worth listening to uh, there. And so the tweet of the week, this was interesting because we got a little bit interactive here. Uh, we don't do too much at ETF Tracker on Twitter. Uh, we tend to focus on Instagram, a little bit on TikTok, a lot on uh, LinkedIn, my personal LinkedIn. Um, you can follow me, Mark Monfort, if you are interested, uh, or you can follow ETF Tracker. But for the tweet of the week, uh, we saw something that came out last week from Nate Garacy. And so Nate uh, had this tweet that said, what's the best ETF ticker on the market right now? One pick, go. And so people responded to that. And our response was, and it was a lot of US ones. Uh, Hack is there. And I think there might be a US ETF named Hack as well. But I said that, look, coming from the land down under, we've got a lot of great names here in Australia for ETFs. Cloud, Clean, Espo for eSports. That's a great one. Um, but coming from the land down under, Australia, we've got to have ACDC as the fave that if we can only choose one, I wish I could choose more. Um, and so I've got it here with a picture of, and it was actually an animation, animated image, a GIF um, showing uh, ACDC live on stage. So, and how that plays into the battery and lithium kind of ETF from ETF Securities. And so that is definitely a great name if you had to pick it on that. And then in the chart of the week, we look at the new ETF snapshots as we highlighted it above. You can go to that in the ETF tracker app and we use that in the latest ETF tracker update. And in this one, we look at ACDC, which was uh, from the tweet uh, just there. And so you can pick from the dropdown, you see the six different metrics that we think are important um, based on the data that is collected from the ASX and ChiX. And we also collect other data to see what benchmarks are, what the description of the ETFs are, a lot of homework, a lot of work that's gone into this. Um, and you can go from those snapshots pages, you can go directly there from the landing page of ETF Tracker. Uh, you can go to the funds page, you can go to Google Finance, see what the latest prices are, and you can do more. And uh, this week, in terms of further education, we thought we'd highlight from Van Eck. They've got a uh, investor center and a learning hub over there. and they talk about smart beta. And so that was mentioned in one of the articles uh, above. Uh, so in this uh, portal from Van Eck, they um, have an area where investors can learn more about smart beta. <clears throat> now, this is a commonly used term for some ETFs that are in the market. According to the website, smart beta is the term given to ETFs that track an index which, uh, that differs from the traditional market cap approach of selecting shares. So we mentioned in the article above that uh, you can do it on a non-market cap weighted weight. And so that might be for bonds or other assets or shares. And so you can learn more about Smart Beta on this Van Eck link. And rounding it out, uh, you can access the ETF tracker apps. And so we went through and did a update for the main ETF tracker app. And so you can go directly to that here with this link. And as I click on that, this will take me to the ETF tracker page. Now, 
the the app itself, all of these apps, they run on desktop. So we don't have mobile apps. You can't go to the Google Play or the iTunes store for this kind of stuff. Um, not yet anyway, we might look at uh, doing something later on. Um, this is more a labor of love um, rather than we put some money into this to, uh, we put a little bit of money, um, but you know, not enough to actually make a mobile app just yet. And I'm not an app developer, but if someone is and is interested in ETFs and wants to work together, feel free to reach out. And so the first link takes you to the ETF tracker page and you can on your laptop, we're on an iMac here, you can, uh, maximize that screen and go full screen now and stay within the page. So that's something to look at there. And we've also got the holdings analysis tools. And we mentioned this before, but we we do it now for six different providers. So there's BetaShares, iShares, State Street. Those are the first ones. There's also ETF Securities, there's VanEck and Vanguard. And so those last three were a little bit harder to get the holdings data for, but on either a daily, <clears throat> either on a daily or a weekly basis, we are scraping um, the holdings data there. So you can look at holdings and you can do the comparison yourself, but you would have to download the ETFs from, sorry, the holdings from each of those ETFs, or you can subscribe to a service that that has that, Morningstar has that, for example, and other um, ETF apps uh, are out there that have that. So you can look at that, or you can look here at ETF Tracker, and we've got different dashboards. So this is the BetaShares dashboard, there's iShares, State Street, and you can interact with that. Um, you can search the holdings if you're looking for a particular exposure, or you can compare, <clears throat> you can compare ETFs within each of those providers to see how similar they are. Something that we are working on is the ability to um, <clears throat> compare ETFs across providers. And so that's something that will be coming out a, a little bit later on. And then there's also the ETF tracker forum. So we're seeing more members sign up to that. And if you do, and you've got some questions, you want to see a portfolio and analyze that uh, and see how ETF tracker would do that. We're actually coming out with a publication that will show um, what it is that you can use ETF tracker for if you're looking at a single or multiple ETFs. Um, but until then, you can go to the forum and ask questions about ETFs that you might have and either someone in the community or us at ETF Tracker and myself will we'll answer some of those questions, okay? And then if you want to listen or watch, we've got the various links to Spotify and YouTube, or you can go directly to the podcast page and you're probably listening to this in one of those now. Um, so definitely check it out. And so that's it. Uh, that wraps up the week of uh, 10th of September. And so it's on Thursday right now. So it's just... Sun's just starting to come down. So we might go for a walk, get a little bit of exercise. Um, we're in Sydney. So hopefully we'll get the lockdowns lifting. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But if you're interested in ETFs, uh, we hope this has been inform uh, informative. If you're interested in learning more, you can check out the other videos and podcasts that we've got. Sign up at www.etftracker.com.au. You will get access to the Exchange Traded Fridays newsletter and more. You can check out the apps. You can check out the other resources. You can talk to us if you're interested. And so have a great week. Uh, we hope this has been a great one for you in terms of your investing. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you. We'll see you next Friday. See you guys. Bye.